Hi, and welcome to the Hollywood Dreammaker Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Gallo. I'm a 35-year veteran actor. I'm the kid who came out to Hollywood with 200 bucks in my pocket and a one-way ticket when I was 18. Didn't know a soul out here, and I've been living my dream ever since. I've had an amazing career. I've been an Academy Award-winning film, blockbuster film, hit TV series. You name it, I've done it, and I got the IMDb credits to prove it. Six years ago, I opened up my own school, the Manhattan Actor Studio, where I found my true passion. That's teaching the craft of acting, but not only teaching the craft of being the guy. Success leaves clues. I know how to make dreams a reality. I did it for myself, and I do it on a daily basis for my students. And I can help you achieve yours. Welcome to my podcast. Let's get started. I am super excited to introduce my guest. He's an Emmy Award-winning actor, currently on the shows Big Sky, NCIS Los Angeles, Swamp Flower, and General Hospital. Some of his recent films are Self-Reliance, Cash for Gold, Leave No Trace, Sully, directed by Clint Eastwood. He's been teaching Vedic meditation since 2007 and has recently published his book, Embracing Bliss, 108 Daily Meditations, as well as a companion to the book, the Embracing Bliss podcast. I want to welcome Jeff Kober to the podcast. Welcome to the show, brother. Thanks so much, man. Great to be here. So it's, you know, I created the podcast to inspire young artists to follow their dreams, right? If a kid like me can come out to Hollywood at 18 with 200 bucks in my pocket, a one-way ticket, not knowing a soul out here, having a dream and make the dream a reality, then why can't the listener out there? You know, if a, if a guy like you can make the dream a reality, you know, congratulations on the Emmy Award. Thank you. You know, uh, if if you can do it, then then that listener out there can do it. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to kind of pick your brain a little bit and, and talk about your journey into Hollywood and, and you know, when did you get started and when did you know you wanted to be an actor? Well, first of all, I, I, I came into town with 500 bucks in my pocket. So nice. I, I was ahead of you there. <laughs> um, also a little bit older. Uh, you know, I didn't know I wanted to be an actor. I, I didn't. I I came from a place in time, small town where I didn't know that actors were real people. So it never occurred to me as a, a, a lifestyle choice or a, or a career choice. And I I followed an actress to LA and she she was she was not cut out for it. She just she ended up leaving and I ended up sticking around and accidentally stumbling into an acting class, uh, which was a Meisner class um, taught by Maria Gobetti at the Victory Theater. And I saw, People on stage using their feelings, using and being able to express those feelings. And it just it just blew my mind that everything that was trapped inside of me actually had a a place to go. And so I, you know, I I I just started down that path. And I, I there there was a point where I had to ask myself, do you want to do this? Are you sure you want to do this? Because, you know, it's a, it's a really silly way to make a living. I mean, there's the percentage of people who make a living as an actor is so small, but I couldn't look at it like that. I had to say, is this in my heart? Is this in my soul? Am I willing to possibly wake up when I'm 55 and say, that didn't quite work out. And the answer for me, and I had to ask that as a real question and let it settle way down inside me for an answer to come up rather than just saying, you know, knee jerk, yes. And the answer came up, this is what you do. 
you know, this is what you do. So continue on. Awesome. I think that's, you know, that's key. You want to, it has to be your passion and has to be in your heart. You don't want to get into this business because you want to be famous or nope. because uh, you're going to make a lot of money or because, you know, it's going to fix something. You know, for me, I, you know, I, I really been looking at my life, at, you know, as an actor and, you know, I'm writing a film based on my life. And I was like, why, why, why did I become an actor? And, you know, I really found that it was about needing to be loved. You know, I, I came from a broken home. My father wasn't around. I, as a child, I had, there was a, you know, it's an abusive childhood. If there was a checklist to everything that could possibly go yeah. wrong to a child, I checked all the boxes, you know? So for me, it was a way to, when I, when I, acted a fool, like I acted like a monkey or I acted like a piece of bacon laying on the floor, frying in a pan. I got a little pat on my back or like I got a little, hey, that was, you know, people would laugh. And that felt to me kind of like, uh, like love a little bit. And, and, you know, like, like I didn't at school, you know, I was told I was hyperactive. So the yeah. teacher would take me from classroom to classroom and I do my Desi Arnaz, you know, Ricky Ricardo routine or whatever. And I get, you know, a little applause, you know, and then, you know, as it, I got older in high school, I played Danny Zuko in Greece and I got a little applause on stage. And I was like, you know, there was that seed that was planted early on. And, and it felt like, oh, this, if I, if I become famous, they will love me, you know, or I, you know, and, and what I, what I truly found is that's not a reason why to get into it. It drove me, believe me, to try to prove people wrong. It drove me as an act. I was going to prove everybody wrong because everybody I told my dream to laughed at me, told me it couldn't be done, but I was like, I'll, I'll prove you wrong. You know, I even went to my drama teacher at high school and I said, I want to be an actor. And he told me, forget about it, kid. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So, wow. so, you know, when I look back now, he's a frustrated actor that never made it that was teaching a drama in a Brooklyn high school. So, you know, I get where he was coming. Yeah. But it motivated me. You know, when I had my own TV series, I came back to him and I said, thank you. <laughs> well, and I think, I, I don't know if it, I can't make a blanket statement, but I think a lot of people get into acting because they feel the need for love. They feel the need for approval. They've been taught by their upbringing and, and their experiences that they can't give it to themselves and that they're not enough, so they have to do this other thing. And then there comes that point, as, as you just uh, alluded to, that if I'm doing the work itself for approval, I can't do the work itself. Mm. And, and so there, that, then that became, it really acting is like the most profound spiritual, emotional, psychological path that one could take because all of your garbage will come up. All of your, the twisted parts of your nature uh, uh, will come up to be healed. And you'll get roles that allow you to, you know, break through this and break through that and break through that and come to the place where you can actually work and uh, be the authority on yourself and hence on the role you're doing rather than looking over here to get the get the approval for it beautifully said so as a young actor you 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 knew you know you followed this actor out to LA which is so funny because you know I, I, a similar thing happened to me I was dating a girl I was studying at Lee Strasberg at 16 and there was a young actress there that I had ran away from home at 15. At 16, I was living with her in New Jersey and, you know, I was taking her auditions or whatever. Long story short, she had an audition for a soap opera, a brand new soap opera. Uh, it was called um, Santa Barbara. And, and, right. uh, 
And she, she, you know, I took her to the audition and long story short, she got the part and she had to go out to Hollywood to, to make the, this. And, and at the time I was kind of running the streets and in my juvenile delinquent years or whatever, and I got in trouble. And, you know, then all of a sudden I was, yeah, I was uh, I brought back to my mother's custody and I'm watching this soap opera and there she is making out with some dude. <laughs> it oh. was devastating for me. <laughs> some guy that looked like me. So I was like, you know, I was getting in trouble in New York. My friend had just got shot. I was like, I got to get out of Brooklyn. Wow. Yeah. And I, I bought a one way ticket to Hollywood. But there was a girl on the other end that I was kind of chasing down, you know. Yeah, which was which was it's well, what kind of really brought me out. It, it, that's what spe- it's it doesn't matter what the initial motivation is. Yeah. See, I, if I think that there's I don't know if there's a plan for everything or everyone that's that's open to debate, but there's a flow of life that happens. And if you're looking to move forward, you're going to step into that flow. And nature doesn't care if it uses a girl or uh, your passion to get you there. You know, you got here. You know, and that's and nature just said, yeah, it's about a girl. No, it wasn't. I mean, yeah, it was. And and all these other things as well. You know, I found that it wasn't it wasn't about her. I mean, as soon as I got it was it was really about, okay. I'm going to do this. And I had blinders on and I was relentless in the pursuit of it. I was like, I'm going to make this a reality, you know, in no time at all. I had, you know, I booked my first audition, which was a guest star on the fall guy. Gave me a little money to get an apartment. And, you know, the, you know, started rolling within, you know, a year and a half. I had my own TV series. That's good. Yeah, I was. I was. That's you know, I, don't don't get me wrong. I was. It, it, it was a roller coaster ride. You know that. You know the series got canceled, and then you know then, then couldn't get an audition. You know, it was that. You know the the, the roller coaster ride of being an actor in Hollywood. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But I was guest starring on a bunch of shows, and uh, and I came on to your show. I guest starred on on China Beach, which was a a really exciting thing because at the show, at time the show was the biggest, hottest, popular show on television, and everybody was watching China Beach. and And I came on, and uh, I uh, I auditioned to play a a kid who was a paraplegic who got his legs blown up in Vietnam, and. Uh, I remember I was, I, you know, method actor me was like, you know, I, t- I tied my legs together and I dragged myself around my house, you know, lifting myself yeah, into, the yeah. into the, you know, like, you know, I was just for a week, I didn't walk. And then I came onto the show with you and we had a, an awesome scene where, you know, I'm sitting in, uh, you know, I'm on my gurney and a bunch of other, you know, soldiers are there and we're in, um, a rehab facility and then we're like kind of getting high and, and, and I'm telling a story about how I'm good in the water, you know, because I have my arms and we're by a pool and you, you say, well, why don't you go in right now? And you literally like pulled all my things off of me and you carried me into the water with all your clothes on. I don't know if you remember that, but it was an awesome. I, I do remember that. I remember that very well. That was cause that was a, that was an awesome scene. And that whole, that whole area there, because that was that last season where we were doing the post-Vietnam stuff along with the Vietnam stuff. And it was, it was so heavy and yeah. so intense. And, uh, yeah, you were you were there, man. You were absolutely there. It was, uh, we, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't question that I was carrying uh, someone who needed to be carried, you know. Yeah, it was and, a lot of fun. I mean, it was a great cast. You know, it's, it's great to see, you know actors you know from 32 years ago you know working in the business and you know you get an emmy award i mean it's like it's exciting to see i mean i i think um with the actress that was on the show um dana, dana. yeah she's, she's on, on the uh, new stallone uh, yeah series. i love yeah. it seeing her she's great you know 
She's doing a series with Stallone. It's great. And Marg Helkenberger, I think she's doing CSI again. Um, Love it. So, you know, yeah. it's it's great to see. It's been, for you know, for you, it's been quite the journey, right? I mean, can you tell me a little bit about, you know, how you actually got into the business? Yeah, you started taking class, but how'd you get your first agent or how'd you, how'd you get started? Well, there was a thing that started happening because I studied for a few years because I was just, let me just say that I was an emotional mess when I started acting. I was, I had, you know, trauma in my uh, childhood and teen years and uh, was really shut down and really passionate and full. And that, you know, that made for a really uh, uh, messed up human being, you know, so it took me a few years to really start walking through that and start opening up to it. And then I worked with this uh, teacher, Ed K. Martin, and he really, he believed in me in a way that made me willing or allowed me to be willing to go through the uh, the mess of being human and the the discomfort of having to open up to to what it all is. And then, you know, they had this thing called, uh, I don't know, you know but they had uh, uh, showcases where you would pay 10 or 15 bucks and you'd go in and you'd work for a casting director. It was just, it was a scam, you know, but, um, but, you know, uh, casting director for a couple of soaps saw me. And so my first two jobs were, I, I did two days, one day on the young and the restless and two days on days of our lives. And, and then I, uh, uh and I, at the time you could buy into AFTRA, which I had done, and then you could work one job as SAG and they, it, they would Taft Hartley you. So you'd work the first job without being union but then after the job you could buy into the union and i did that and it was uh it was v the uh james badler no my friend michael wright was on that yeah yeah um so that was my first sag job and then um you know and then i was i was bartending i was driving cab i was doing all that kind of stuff the the kind of jobs where a i didn't have to have a boss right over me and b if i had an audition or a gig i could I could go, you know, I, there was some self agency here. And what actually happened was uh, this one summer, I had I worked really hard in this bar and like 14 days in a row or something. And, and uh, you know, the owner said he was going to give me a, a you know, a, a bump at the end of the month or whatever. And he didn't. And then I asked for time off, like way in advance for this family reunion that was happening or class reunion. And uh, they said, no, you can't take it off other people. And I said, really? Okay, then I quit. Um, you know, so I quit. And it was like July. And I said, I'm going to make a living in this business if it kills me. That's what I remember saying. And, you know, I just got this job and then this job and then this job uh, that were, you know, a, 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 a co-star, a guest star. And then up to uh, Highway to Heaven was my first decent gig or big gig where it was a two-part episode where I was the, you know, one of the leads. and. And Victor French directed it and uh, got to work with Michael Landon. It was a fantastic experience. And uh, and again, this was another another man who I, I went in for the audition. And, I, you know, I had learned all about emotional preparation. And the danger for a young actor and emotional preparation is that you load yourself up with so much stuff. And then you don't you can't go in and just show what you did. You have to go in and find freedom. Well, if you haven't had a lot of practice being free, 
and you're loaded down like that, and you spend a lifetime of pretending to be something other than you are and not letting your emotions really show, you know, you, you end up kind of shut down. And I was in there and I, I did the audition and then Victor said, okay, okay, good. Now let's try it again. And he gave me some direction that allowed me to just talk and just be present and just uh, be the broken individual that I was playing. And, you know, and I got the job and it was, it was, it was amazing because it, it was like everything that what I act for in the, the real experience for me is in between action and cut. Everything else is preparation for that or leading away from that. And there's a, a, a freedom that you can give yourself where you're, you don't know what the next moment is going to bring. And you're living fully in the moment. And this is what, you know, mindfulness, all the Buddhist practices are about having that experience in life. Life usually isn't as on the edge as acting. So it's hard to motivate yourself to be that full and free and alive and present in the world. But in front of a camera, you know, I gave myself permission to do it. And it was, yeah, you know, it allowed me to have an experience that I didn't plan. I planned parts of it, but I let it happen and and allowed something to come through me that that was bigger than me and smarter than me and 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 more artistic than I knew myself to be. So that was the first job where I really got to let that, you know, let that go and really have that experience. How do you find freedom? Well, one of the hardest things about being an actor is that what worked yesterday is not going to work today. It's not like you can do X, Y, and Z and, oh, I've got it. You know, you've got to find what is it, what, what, what do I need to do today? And, and it, it has to do with being present in the body. It has to do with having done the work to believe my given circumstances. It has a lot to do with knowing what my intention is with this other person. And, and I'll, more about that in a moment, knowing how that other person sees me. And then once action is called or the curtain goes up, whichever uh, venue you happen to be in, freedom is found by consistently and continually correcting back to the person across the stage from you rather than to your thinking. Thinking will kill me. Thinking will, thinking will project into the future and tell me stories about the past and just kills me. But if I just keep putting my attention back on you and I'm talking to you from my heart, then, you know, this is what, what Meisner said is that all life exists in the other person. And it, it sounds absurd, like I'm terrified in a given moment, maybe, but I put my attention on you. I don't need to know what's coming next. It will happen. And I've, I've seen it work out again and again and again. And now, side note, sidebar, uh, as we were talking about earlier, we're both involved in uh, meditation and teaching of meditation. And what I've really been able to witness in myself is that all other things aside, I will have a reaction to a situation from my animal nature, from my survival instinct. And if I'm stepping in front of people, to expose myself in some in some fashion, then my animal nature or my ego, whatever you want to call it, is going to say that survival depends on me shutting down. 
and and I and I I have to make sure that I get the approval of these people or don't need the approval of these people. And I'm locked in this battle over here that has nothing to do with the work to be done. So I just take it as a given that that is going to happen in my system some of the time and that my intention from that place will be to survive. And then this is the power of intention. When I choose an emotionally grounded intention that has to do with that other person, and especially when I make that intention grounded in love in some fashion, then that is so much more profound and powerful than the intention of the body just to survive, that that intention gets set aside and this, this bigger intention uh, gets to be acted on. And that's when you can do work that you haven't planned. You've done all the preparation and then you're in a flow of, of love and connection with this other human and you're having that dance that goes on. And, you know, then it's, it's, that, that's freedom. That's well said. That's, that's when the magic happens. You yeah. know, I like to say, I tell my actors, when you're in your head, you're dead. When you're in your heart, you're smart. When you're in play and you've made some big choices and you're in the moment and you're really listening and you're really there and you know what you want and you're going after it. And, you know, that's playtime. And that's when yeah. truly the magic happens. Like you said, between action and cut, that's when the, the magic happens. Yeah. You know, what's funny is that I'm thinking if you would have told me 32 years ago when we did China Beach together that if, if I could go back and go – like on that set and say, hey, Billy, guess what? In 32 years, you're going to be having a podcast and you're going to be talking to Jeff about mindfulness and meditation. I would have said, you're out of your friggin' mind. Yeah, Get out of yeah, here. Take yeah. a walk. You know, yeah. it, was, it was not on my radar. It was not nothing. But, you know, during the journey, you know, that things happen, life happens and, you know, events happen in our lives. And, you know, the universe, God within you whispers and says, go down that path, you know, and you listen yeah. and the magic happens when you listen to that inner voice and not the noise in your head going, oh, no, the ego mind, the the monkey brain, you know, that is just noise, you know, and I, for me, my journey into meditation and teaching was a battle with my ego because my ego was like, no, 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 but the the voice the 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 god within me the light within me was telling this is your path yeah and it was and i listened and magic happened when i yeah. listened the universe like aligned and everything kind of miraculously came to fruition through just get shutting down the noise the, the monkey mind you know the the chatter telling me no 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 mm -hmm. and listening to my my true voice and and it's been amazing and you know and it happened at the worst time of my life it happened during you know i lost my 11 year old niece to brain cancer i, I lost my stepfather to prostate cancer my wife had a miscarriage my wife got diagnosed with breast cancer you know my dog ran out and got hit by a car i mean a life yeah. was beating me down so bad that i was yeah. i i could not i had all this emotions that i was suppressing i was trying to numb them i was trying to but i, I wasn't dealing with the emotions my well of tears my pain was so full and then all of a sudden it started coming out in places i didn't want it to come out like uh, panic yeah. and anxiety i mean i'd be sitting in a hospital room you know like when my wife got diagnosed with 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 cancer i would be in a doctor's office but i was getting ptsd from the last 
few hospitals where I lost my 11 year old niece and I lost my stepfather. And now I'm here. And like the doctors were more concerned about me than my wife. Oh, is this guy going to be okay? But I wasn't, yeah. I was melting down, man. I was shut and like, I was, I was, I was in a really, really bad place. And, well, and, and what you're describing, uh, if I may, is yeah. number one, you clearly feel things deeply. Mm. And so, you know, what, you can live an entire life without ever doing what we've had to do in terms of getting free and then come up to the end of it and go like, wait, what, what have I just done? But when it's, when you feel things big, when you feel them fully and you're using the old tools to deal with them, which is repression, suppression, numbing, uh, sublimation, all those different things, then you get to the point where you clearly got to where you hit a bottom of like, uh, something's got to give. And something gives and, and, you know, and if, if you're, if you're fortunate and awake and aware, you'll step in a direction where uh, some piece of freedom lies and where, where the light is a little bit brighter and where you're moving in a direction where, where it's, it's, you're going to be able to use yourself rather than have to dismiss giant swaths of yourself just in order to survive. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was when my wife was in that, journey, her cancer journey, which she's cancer free now, thank God. Um, but when she was in her journey, you know, she, she had a shift in her life. She, she wanted to really follow her passion and it was like yoga and meditation. And, and so she took her yoga teacher training and she was doing this. So she'd come home from yoga and meditation and I'd be sitting on the couch melting down and she'd come in going, you know, you really should try this meditation thing. And I was like, yeah, the, you know, that was like the, the lead, yeah, like me shut down my mind. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Good luck with yeah. that. Um, but she, you know, she kept on insisting that I try it. And, you know, I, 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 I showed up and, and I, I, I went and, you know, at first I couldn't shut the noise off, you know, and everything kind of bothered me and, you know, I just couldn't, couldn't, but I kept showing up and kept showing up. And then one time during a meditation, it just kind of clicked for me and I got out of me and the, like yeah. literally the shell yeah. of, I, I got the shell of Billy is not who I am. Wow. This bag of bones is not who I am in that meditation. And it brought me to tears, man. And I, yeah. I felt this joy and this bliss and this like words can't even explain what I felt. Like I really like felt my shell fall off of me. And, and it was just truly magical. And I can't, now I was like, I, I got a little taste and I was, I was coming back. I was coming back all the time. And I yep. was really, you know, and, and the part was I was chasing that. I was like trying to get there again, you know, and yeah. that's, that's a mistake. I learned now that it, every meditation is different. You can't try to get to where you went last time. Everyone is a new journey inward and, yeah. and tapping in to, you know, your true power and I've, you know, then I took my pranayama teacher training and I, and I really started studying it. And, and, and then I started learning other things and I, and I developed a technique for actors, you know, because we as actors, sometimes we use our stuff, our shit, our, yeah, you know, yeah. our, our stuff that we have in our actor toolbox, all that, you know, we pick that emotional scab and we bleed and we use that as the paint to paint the canvas of the scene. But you know, I know for me as a young actor, I would pick those emotional scabs and then I'd leave the theater and I'd still be bleeding. Yeah. 
and yeah, and yeah. Uh, and it wasn't healthy for me because and I was like like you know it's not good. So I don't want that from my actors. So I develop a technique through meditation and breathing and grounding yourself and becoming present. You can go to the past. You can play with it. You can make art out of it. You can heal the past. And then you get to kind of wash it away and breathe and get into the present and fill your heart with gratitude and and stack the good stuff. So you can't be over there if you're in the present, in the yeah. now. So yeah. it's, a, it's a great tool. And I wish there was somebody that would have taught me this as a young actor, because I was that yes, I a lot of and- stuff. You would not be the teacher that you are today if you hadn't had to discover your own way through it. And that's what, you know, when when someone like you speaks to to me, to an actor, uh, there's the ring of truth to it because you were where I am. Hmm. And you're saying, there's a way out of that. Come here. This way. Come here. And that's that's a gift to the world, man. Well, thank you. I I really have to look at it like that. There are no mistakes. Yeah. You know, well, I'm getting that, you know, I used to, you know, I used to think as, you know, all this shit happened to me, but now I realize it happened for me. It was all a gift. Yeah, I needed to go through all that. You know, even yeah. the shit that I thought was hard, like the cancer. Now, now I look back at cancer and I go, what a beautiful gift that was. Isn't that something? Through the shit of cancer, I got a calling to build this studio, the Manhattan Actor Studio. And I and my ego was like, well, I'm the well, you're gonna be an acting teacher? What yeah, well, you know, and I like the ego got so like in the way. And and I kept hearing this voice to build this thing. And I was like, no way. I said, you know, I number one, I couldn't afford to do it. Uh, you know, I, I was in a sling. I tore my rotator cuff, you know, for I wasn't working. I, you know, I was dealing with all this stuff. And I, but then as soon as I listened to that voice, that little nudge saying, this is what you need to do. And I kept getting signs. Like I was coming out of a meditation in church and there was a little card on the floor and it said, time, talent, treasure. How are you sharing your time, your talent and treasure? And I went, oh, I'm not. It's been about me, ego, me, me, me. Yeah. I have, And then I really found like the secret to living is being of service, is giving, is being able to leave the breadcrumbs for the next person to go, this is the path, you know? That's why, you know, when I saw you and what you're doing, I said, I got to get Jeff on the podcast because you and me are, have similar journeys. We've had our yeah. stuff and we've gone through the, the jungle of Hollywood and we've had our ups and downs, but somehow we found our path to meditation and you know it's truly a gift that if like if you would have told me i'd be talking about meditation i would have said you're crazy but now i know i've i've I, i've had that moment of you know those moments of bliss and joy and and like literally a voice telling me you're not your thoughts you're this beautiful light and i went yeah what? are you talking to me <laughs> like like this voice telling me this you know and this voice telling me this is your path it's not about this it's about helping other people being the guide you know you've mm-hmm. been there so be the guide and that's what i've been doing and you know yeah. when i said i'm going to open up the studio the universe worked miraculously like people that I didn't even know. Like I met one time were coming up to me and going, here's a check for $20,000 to, to build your studio. You know, I believe in you. I'm like, you know, like people would just like the, the universe started going, okay, you're doing this. And here's the stuff you need to do. Wow. Yeah. I was in here building this place by myself literally for a month, you know, knocking down walls with sledgehammers and, and I, I talked to a friend of mine who's a stunt coordinator, and 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 
I said, man, I don't know how I'm going to build these risers for the theater seats or whatever. And then one day on a Saturday, he came with like a dozen stunt guys, three trucks with power tools and <laughs> banged it out in a day, you know? So it's like every, it just miraculously where, where, came. Where, where is your studio? It's in Manhattan Beach. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's eight years here. So it's been, but you know, it's been magical. You know, I really get to transform people's lives, you know, on a daily basis. You know, I it's an acting that. school, but it's a, it's a place of healing. I've healed a lot of people and I, and I, and I just get to be of service. You know, I, I ask, I know where they come, they knock on my door and I know exactly why I ask, you know, God, how do I, what do you want me to do here? And I just listen. And it's, it's truly magical here, you know, and then that's oh, why man, the podcast, you know, lucky to have you. That's fantastic. The pandemic hit, my yeah. doors got closed and I said, well, how do I continue doing what I do here? <gasps> ah, the podcast, I make a podcast. And, yeah. and, and then I created the podcast and now this is episode 71 and it's the top 2% of all podcasts globally. And I get letters and emails all the time that, you know, people are inspired by the podcast. I'm sure you do too. Listen, I, I binged your podcast last night and it is amazing it is truly oh, amazing you. i mean i it it resonated with me so much i was like there were some things you were saying on that podcast that were just mind-blowing you confirmed the stuff that i that i've been see you've done the work i've i've told my my wife you know during my training you know i said you know i'd like to go to the be in the cave with the, the show. I mean, I want to maybe shave my head and go sit in silence for a while, you know, like, yeah. you know, whatever, you yeah. know, like I'd really like to go that deep, like really learn it to a level that deep, but you've done that. You've sat in the caves, you've done that work you've done. So that's why I wanted to have you. I wanted to just pick your brain, man. Well, what you, know, you, it's, you, you don't have to go to the cave to get no. it clearly. Yeah, you know? no, I got and, it. And and there's uh, you know, I I I need there are a lot of things that I just that I couldn't help myself. I had to go do, you know. And if you know, if it, it's a it's no matter what it is, you're you have to go do. If you have the capacity and the willingness and the ability to hear that voice and get to go do it, that's you know, that's when you start having a life that you couldn't possibly imagine. Because our just like with acting, if I think I know what is supposed to be, uh, you know, in the scene, then, you know, there are people who work that way. Mm -hmm. I'm not one of them. I'm, I'm just not that smart or talented. I am smart enough to get out of my way and allow an experience to be had that the camera then captures. You know, and there was a there was actually a a book that I, I heard about recently this this economist from Chicago he was interested in art and he studied all of these painters and their uh, success, a lot of it based on what they sold and when they sold it and all of that. And he found that they, they fell into two categories and there were the category of number one uh, epitomized by Picasso who had his most massive success right at the very beginning and then had a lot of success afterwards, but it was never as high as that beginning. And then there were people like Renoir and Matisse who worked up to, worked up to, worked up to. Their highest success was at the end of their life. And the former, Picasso knew what he was going to put on the canvas and he put it on there. 
Renoir and Matisse, these guys discovered it as they went along. They discovered the painting. They just started painting and a painting came out to the extent that Renoir, his his son, Jean Renoir, who's a filmmaker, uh, wrote a, a, a biography of his father called Renoir, My Father. And it it's fascinating for the, the very end of it. It says that he was 86 years old, I think. He had rheumatoid arthritis. He couldn't hold a, a brush, but they would take leather straps and tie a brush to his wrist. And he was lying in bed and the nurse had brought a uh, he was at home, but they had a, a nurse and she had brought some flowers and he had his paints and he was painting these flowers. And his final words were something like, either I, I think I learned something today or I think I'm finally starting to get it. <laughs> this is Renoir, man, one of the most famous painters of all time. And he's like, yeah. I'm, I, I think I'm starting to get it. Yeah. You know, so that's what that's what we we have the opportunity to just discover again and again and again that and what you've discovered in following years is that when you step into the unknown based on that inner guide and that inner intention to do good, to be of service, to offer yourself, then there's nothing there's nothing to worry about. Mm. It's there's a there was a one teacher told me quoted a uh, an obscure 10th century tantric text that said uh, even when you fail even when you fall down it's not possible to fall into anything other than god mm. and, you know and if if you can actually make that as a, a living part of your process mm. you know then then you can have some fun what led you to your meditation learning about it I had so many things wrong with me, um, PTSD and uh, uh, depression and and just a mass of uh, shame and guilt and self-loathing. And it was, I, I had so many problems. I, I knew I couldn't, I didn't have a time in a lifetime to fix them all. But it occurred to me that there was, uh, if I could get in touch with the spirit of what I am, which is the essence of what I am, that central experience of myself, that it's like working outside in. You get in touch with that. And then, as you stated, you know, I'm not my thoughts. When I can know myself as this thing, then I can start to work on where the thoughts are and where the emotions are and where the life choices are and all of that. And so, I, you know, I just, I sought forever. I was looking for a connection to something bigger than the, you know, the voice of the superego that constantly told me uh, some version of you should die. You're worthless. You should die. And I was able to work through that here and there, but it still was there. And I, if that's the only voice you're hearing, you're, you kind of, you end up listening to it, you know? So I looked and looked and looked for a practice that would work for me. And, and, you know, I used to sit for hours trying to shut off my thinking and I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. And then my wife told me about this, uh, a friend of ours, because you know, I was still miserable a lot of the time. And then at one point I just said, I give up, I quit. If I haven't fixed it by now, I'm not going to fix it. I was 48 years old. And she said, and, and so I just quit looking. And about six weeks later, she said, our friend Renee 
learned this meditation and you get this word and you follow the word and it makes you happy. I said, yeah, let me know how that works out for you. <laughs> and, you know, she said, no, 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 let's go listen to this guy talk. So I did and I listened to him and, well, no, the first time we went, I walked out before the guy even talked because I didn't like the way the people looked. <laughs> you know, I didn't like the pictures on the walls. It's like, yeah, I'm not, this isn't me. And it, it was like, and Renee called and said, so what'd you think? I said, I don't know. I didn't listen. She said, you're an asshole. And then, so the guy came back the next month and I went and listened. And again, he said things that resonated, that sounded good, but I wasn't going to learn. And so Renee had me call this guy. His name was Tom Knowles. And I called him up and I didn't even know who I was calling. I just said, hello. Then she said, oh, this is Jeff. Hey, what's going on? I said, oh, shit. Well, uh, okay, I, I liked what you said, but, uh, <laughs> you know, why should I believe you? And he just started laughing and he said, uh, well, you, you, you can't believe me. You, 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 I said, why should I trust you? He said, you can't trust me. You just met me. But do you trust the way you felt when I was talking? I said, yeah, because it was resonating in here for with truth. And then I said, well, there's another thing. I always heard that you weren't supposed to have to pay for spiritual teaching. And he said, yeah, that's, that's, that's a common conception. And, you know, in India, teachers are supported by the, the community. They give them food. They give them money. They give them a place to stay. They build an ashram for them, whatever they do. That's, it's a different model here in the West. And so, you, you know, he said, you're giving me money so that I can afford to not have another job so that I can teach you meditation because it takes a little while. And I said, okay. And I, you know, and the next day I went in and learned meditation and it gave me that thing that I always wanted, but had not had any proof that it existed, which was oh. a sense of being okay. A sense of being okay without doing anything, without being anything other than exactly what I am. And as you said, a dropping away from that voice of the ego and that that physical sensation of of whatever and those emotions, just knowing myself as something completely other than that. And that right there, that first time just hooked me. Mm. And, and I, 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 I never looked back. Now, what is, is it Vedic, Vedic? Vedic meditation. Vedic. Vedic. Veda. Veda is a Sanskrit word, which means knowledge or science. And the Veda is a, a set of teachings that's, you know, ancient that was began being written down about 5,000 years ago and is at least 10,000 years old. But it's a system which states that the source of everything is consciousness, like the idea of the unified field. Everything is an expression from this field of probability. Like this, the, the, the Vedic sages uh, and rishis said that their consciousness is the base of everything and that everything else is an expression of this underlying field. So it's like there's an ocean of pure being, and then there are waves upon that ocean. So there's being, non-activity, and then ocean waves, activity. And my ego, my thoughts, my hands here, my talking, all this is activity. But there's, you know, you just get this word that guides you in the direction of being. So all of this de-excites so that you start to connect with that deepest experience of what you are. So that then you can have a perspective on the activity of what you are rather than know yourself as that activity. And the implications of that are 
huge because, you know, according to the Veda, you and I, it's not like we have a similar interior. It's that it's the same interior. Yes. You know, the soul is soul, spirit mm. is spirit, and your your yours comes through your personality and your history and mm-hmm. and your journey, and mine comes through mine, and the two of us connect together. But when we're really connecting, it's consciousness speaking to consciousness, which mm. is what consciousness is here for. It wants to know itself. It wants to play with itself and experience itself, and heal itself and uplift itself. So, you know that all that way of looking at things was just a panacea to the years of, you know, despair and uh, 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 darkness I'd lived in, Mm. you know, and so it just, you know, it began to, you know, balance out a little bit. And you're teaching it. I do. And I I didn't, (laughs) I hung out with his teacher for quite a while and, you know, began to help him just because you can't hang out, hang around without, I, I mean, I'm just, you know, I, come from a Western work ethic kind of a thing. So I just helped out. And and then he said, at a certain point, he said, I'm going to train people to be teachers and you need to become a teacher. I said, no, man, I'm an actor. (laughs) And uh, he said, well, you can do both. I said, I don't want to be a teacher. Just you're the guru. Get me a series, man. And uh, (laughs) he said, no, you can do both and you need to because you've already learned too much to not, you know, become willing to give it away. And so I said, all right. And the process was like three and a half months. We started in India and then, or no, we started in uh, uh, Flagstaff and did three months of just intensive work and then went to India and finished it off there or vice versa. There were two different experiences. But toward the end of our process, I said, so, okay, when do I start planning what I'm going to do when I get out of here? He said, don't. And I said, yeah, that's, that's all. That's a great theory. But really, when do I start figuring out what I'm going to do? He says, let it unfold. You don't know what you're supposed to be doing. I said, you know, so just a few weeks before I finished this uh, three and a half month experience, I got a call from my sister in Montana. And she said, you know, she started crying on the phone. I said, oh, you need to learn to meditate. I'm coming up. And she said, yeah, right. I said, no, no, find a yoga studio. And, and, uh, then I called another friend on the other end of the state, because that's where I'm from. And I said, you got a yoga studio? Yeah. I said, set me up there. And I called my wife, said road trip. And so I, I finished this process and we drove to Montana. And I was going to teach some people in Western Montana and then drive to Billings and teach people in Eastern Montana. And all this by way of telling you this, on the day that I taught my first group of people, seven people, in outside of Dillon, Montana, I got a call from my manager saying I was being offered a Western that was going to start shooting two days after I was going to finish the teaching on the other on the other end of the state. So it was like the universe just saying, yeah, you can have both. And there's mm-hmm. no way you could have planned this at all. Yeah. You know, so it's, it seems to have worked out so far. That's awesome. So, so how has learning how to meditate helped you as an actor? Well, the meditation works on a few different levels. Number one, it allows the stress responses and the, you know, the habituated ways of seeing the world and feeling, it allows those to begin to dissolve. So you have access to your history without being driven by your history. You know, you're no longer in a rut of 
uh, of fear or pain or wh whatever ruts you fall into. The ruts are gone, but the path is still there. So you can awaken something that happened years ago and use it, but not be used by it and not be at the mercy of it. And you also begin to, you know, you just, you let go of everything twice a day, which I do, so that when you're in the, trying to be in the moment, it's a lot, you've been practicing letting go. And then you have a download of bliss chemistry, so you can more easily choose uh, an experience of happiness, of, of joy. And I have become much more willing to trust the flow of what's happening and let go of the need to control. And to the extent that I, uh, I've done this a couple of times in my, my career, and hopefully I never do it again. Uh, I have a friend, John Polano, who's a playwright and a, a screenwriter. And he had a play happening downtown LA here. Um, this was about four years ago now, five years ago. And he called me up one Saturday and said, hey, I, I, my play got extended and someone has to drop out. You, you want to fill in for him? I said, he said, yeah, come see the play. You'll, you'll see. And I said, I went and saw the play. And so I watched the play on Sunday. I watched it again on Monday, started working on the lines Monday. Worked on the lines with the producer Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Had a, had a run through. And then did the play Thursday night and Friday night and Saturday night. And this guy opens the play by speaking to the audience and plays three different characters throughout the play. And I was doing it. And the first night it was like, I just got through it, you know, but I did okay. Uh, there was one point where I came through a, a, a wall. It was a curtain that was supposed to be, because they use projections on these curtains. And I walked through the window instead of the uh, the, the the door. So uh, Amy Brenneman uh, had a big laugh about that. <laughs> and then the next night, it, it got a little better. It was, it was, I got, started to have some freedom. And on, and on Saturday, the, uh, one of the guys in the, in the dressing room said, you know, I've been watching you, and I haven't seen one moment of fear. And I said, you know, frankly, I haven't had time to be afraid. And what I had done was like I would study the lines and study the lines till I was exhausted. And then I just, I said, Here's what I say to myself with some regularity. I teach this stuff. If I'm not willing to take it all the way, then it's not worth teaching. Mm -hmm. So I said, if I'm exhausted and they won't go in anymore, then I'm done for the day. And then I kept doing that. And then, and on Saturday, I couldn't remember a line to save my life. I was like walking around and I tried to run it in my head. wasn't happening. And I said, okay, either you trust it or you don't. And I walked out on stage and just opened my mouth and words came out and listened to the people and words came out and the experience was being had. And I was walking off stage going, what's the next scene? Where do I enter? And they would tell me and I'd come out and the same thing had happened. And the opening of the second act was the big scene for this character and my son. And where I challenge him, I tell him he has to challenge me to a duel. It's called Rules of Seconds, and it's about dueling in the 18th century. And, and I come in, and I'm, I'm supposed to be half in the bag, and uh, that's semi-drunk for those of you who aren't as old as I am. <laughs> um, and uh, I, you know, I sit down, and I just made a business deal, and I walked on stage, and I'm looking at these people, and it went to a different reality. 
Mm. It was like beyond three dimensionality. And they would come up to me and it was, it was just magical. I was having this, it wasn't out of body. It maybe was fully in something. And I literally had to keep myself from turning to the audience and saying, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Because it was that amazing. And I, at this, I, I, tell my kid he can't marry this woman because she's beneath him and she's standing right there. And, and then I tell him, so I just, uh, you know, I just offended you. You have to challenge me to a duel. Now duels, oftentimes no one gets hurt because they're shitty guns and they miss each other. But I tell him he has to challenge me to a duel. And I watched this other actor because we were so in it. He had a hard time saying the words because they didn't want to come out because he was, he didn't want to hurt his dad. Mm. And it was like, and then right after that scene, I have to go and talk to the audience and say, I, I, I know this this didn't have a good end. I die. But I, I had to do it. And there were tears streaming down my face. I was talking to the audience and really going, you saw what happened. You saw what I had to, you know, and it was, it was like, it was uh, just one of those peak experiences wow. that you can only have. By letting go and letting go and letting go to the point of of whatever happens, I'm 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 down for it. Wow. So that's how it changes my acting, you know, mm. so that now I go on a set and more often than not, I I don't sweat it. I do my work and I show up and I I really try to make everyone's life better. Even if it means just shutting up, you know, but, you know, I, I look at other people and I ask them how they're doing. And I, I, I ask the, you know, the grips what they're doing. I ask the camera guy, is this worked? Is this, you know, I, I engage with people because it's not about me. Mm. So, you know, as a young actor, I'm sure, and I know for myself, you know, it was about me and it was about ego and it was about, you know, their you could get into monkey brain and you could get into fear and you could get, have yeah. you, how do you, how, how do you deal with that stuff? The fear, the noise, the, the auditioning, like coming into a room. Do you, do you get nervous? Do yeah. you, I, well, I used to, we don't go in rooms anymore, you know? Yeah. And uh, you know, when you grow up needing approval of adults to stay alive, mm. which is what happens in an abusive home, then you walk into a room filled with authority people, authority figures, and your system goes into fight, flight, freeze, fawn. So you either want to fight them, uh, run away from them, freeze, or try to, you know, please them so much that they won't kill you. You know, and that just happens in the system. So having an intention that's more powerful than that intention of the body is, is key listening to the other person is always the corrective. And that's the beauty of Meisner. There's a lot to be learned from all other techniques, but the corrective is always to go back to listening, back to the other person, listen with your whole body. And then I started doing a thing where I would, if consciousness is not something you can actually imagine because it has no handles on it, but you can, you can think of light and I would sit and I would visualize, I would just visualize myself filled with light so that I was a being of light. And then I would visualize the room filled with light. 
so much so that it 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 filled all the other people in the room. Everyone was light. So then it was light walking into light. Mm, love that. And 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 so it was like, what's light going to do today? Doesn't really matter. But this yeah. is my part of it, and I'm going to do mine. So it gave me an opportunity to dis not disassociate from, but disidentify from those voices of fear and ego. And really the, you know, the, the path of, I think the path of the human, but really the path of the actor is to, to know that there's a part of me that makes it entirely about me, but that's the least, the least interesting part of me, the least important part of me. And the part of me that is not interested in growth, is not interested in, in expansion, is only interested in staying safe. And I, when you choose away from it enough times, it begins to have less and less and less power. So that if I'm not my thinking and my thinking is screaming at me, you're going to die, you're going to die. I can go, yeah, thanks for sharing, but thank God you're not driving, you know. <laughs> love that. Love that. Love that. I tell my actors all the time, one, what if you walked into an audition and just came to be of service? And the light within me is coming to say hello to the light within you. Yeah. And I'm coming to play. And I've made some big, bold, strong choices. And I know who I am. And I know where I'm coming from. And I know what I'm going after. And I know. And I'm just going to ground myself in that real place and really listen. Just play and have fun. Coming from love, light, that's a completely different vibration than coming from fear. Well, yeah. you know, when you come in and you've done all that work and you're coming in in love, I love acting. Guess what? Today I have an audience. They have a problem. I am the solution. I am going to serve. I am going to play. And that's like the cherry on top. You know, that's like, you know, it's like moths to a, a light. They don't know why they're attracted, but they're attracted. They it, want to go it, to the light. Yep. It doesn't matter why they're so attracted. So it's you it coming. Yeah. It's you coming in, standing in your light and knowing who you are. I am. I am this light. I am love. I am peace. I am joy. And coming from that. And I know it sounds a little woo-woo. <laughs> and if you, if I would have heard myself say this years ago, I would have said, yeah. this guy's a quack. But I know it's true. And I know, now I know who I am. I know who you are. I know, you know, we all have that, that light within us. This is who we really are. And I've been truly getting glimpses like, like, Crazy. I, I'll give you an example. I, I do. A, I walk daily. I walk the beach. You know. Um, you know. I live at the beach, so I walk in the morning, and uh, it's a meditation for me. Yeah. And you know, my wife told me about a book. Uh, it was called Whole Body Meditation. And usually, when I meditate, I sit. But this guy was talking about a standing meditation. And as I walked, you know, a couple miles, I, I stopped. And I took, I, I stood and I took a breath, a full breath. And I was just looking at the waves and I took a full breath and, you know, like visualizing that wave coming in through my roots, coming in, filling up my belly, coming into my heart, into my throat, all the way up into my crown. I just lit up and I was like, and it got, it was scary. Like my body started trembling and I, and I really had to, I pulled myself out of it. So I was like, there's something here. So I walked to a lifeguard tower. <laughs> I found a place in front of the lifeguard and I tried it again because I was worried that I, I didn't know what was going to happen to me. 
I might collapse because I have collapsed before meditations, like uh, outer body collapses where, you know, a little wow. Asian lady coming up to me, she goes, are you okay? And I had no idea that I was literally, my, my shell was laying on the ground. So, so now I go to the lifeguard tower and I stand exactly in front of the lifeguard tower. So if I fall down, I know I got a lifeguard that's going to save my ass. So I, I try it again. I go and I, I ground my feet. You know, and and I take a, at first I had my shoes on my sneakers because I was walking and I took my shoes off and I grounded my feet into the sand and I looked out at the ocean. And as the waves were coming in, I was just breathing with the waves. And then I took this full breath and I held it all the way up and I lit up again. But I had my eyes open and it was like I like the Matrix, like the the waves almost slowed down. They stopped for me. And everything was just a different color. Just it was like I I, I can't even explain yeah. what I what I witnessed. And I'm like, is this my imagination going? Like, what's going on here? But I tapped into a completely different level of meditation. Now it's like I need a, a seatbelt. <laughs> you know, like when That's I what happened, you're, what you're describing sounds like what happened to me on stage with that play. Because it was like it was like everything was just vibrating and shiny and in a different uh, place. In a different place, yeah. or it's it's like the uh, whatever dulling uh, cover had been on the world was lifted Peeled off. Peeled off, yes. So you could see the reality of it. Yeah, you got to the real, the truth, the that you were re really in it. I mean, this was like, and then it's a glimpse in there, and it's like, yeah. Wow, that's powerful. I do, want. Do, do, have you read? Have you read? Uh, I'm sure you have. Uh, Eugene O'Neill, uh, "Long Day's Journey Into Night." Yes, yes. So Edmund's uh, monologue with his father. He says, "You've told me about your uh, life now, uh, your experiences. Now let me tell you some of mine. They all have to do with the sea." And he tells him these times when the veil was pulled back and he could see. Mm. And it's a. It, it was the first monologue I ever worked on, and it was just it's it's extraordinary, and it's it's he had like he has three specific experiences of that out on the ocean, and then it drops down, and he's at the mercy of his alcoholism and his depression and despair and tuberculosis again. And I don't know that he ever gets back to it. I don't think he does. But you know, it's what a gift to be able to have that experience and to know that it's it's not just a a passing thing it's still here yeah it's just can i wake up enough to see it yeah it's it's all over you just got to open up your eyes you yeah know, the magic is there everything you know we're all connected you me you know i mean there's a reason why we're here right now you know yeah. i truly i listened to that little voice going get jeff cobra on the podcast <laughs> you know it's like okay Fantastic. If you say so, <laughs> let me reach fun. out to Jeff and get him on the podcast. So, I mean, I truly believe that there are there are no coincidences. There are God incidences. There, are, it's like being. This is the path. This is the journey. You're on it, and enjoy the ride, because this is all we have right now, right this moment here, the present moment. You know, there the past go. is gone. The future doesn't exist. It's just right now and right now. And right now, and right, right now, if you could go back and give the younger you some advice about life, about acting, what would that advice be? 
The first thing I would tell him is hang in. It's going to be okay. As hard as it might be to believe it, you chose exactly this to have these experiences, to learn the truth about life and the truth about what you are. And you're going to fall away from it continually, but you'll keep coming back to knowing that you're here for a reason. And that reason has to do with love and that it is to be rediscovered on a day-to-day -day basis, if not a moment-to-moment -moment basis. And the end of every story is, and they all lived happily ever after. Because it, when you know the truth of what you are, even death itself can't harm you. Mm. And you know we're we're here we're here we're here to we're here we're here to love and we're here to enjoy ourselves. And uh, uh, you know, and I would say I know it's really hard right now, and uh, it won't be forever. So hang in. Beautifully said. What about the actors? What would your advice be to somebody that wants to become an actor or is on the journey as an actor or maybe, you know, is in that self-doubt, questioning themselves, you know, did I do the right thing? I always have to quote Michael Shirtliff, who wrote a book called On Auditioning. It was, uh, it was like in the, like the late 70s, I think he wrote it. And his, uh, he was a casting director and his, his advice was, if there's anything else you know how to do, do it. <laughs> <laughs> Acting is, you, you have to want it. You have to be driven by something other than, as you said at the beginning of this, uh, other than the desire to be famous or the desire to uh, make a lot of money or the desire to, you know, get laid or whatever it is. All those things, you know, can be a part of it, but there has to be, it has to be part of, a, again, this is, you know, it's, I don't want to sound new age, but it, it's, unless it's the, you know, unless it aligns with the deepest part of you, what you have to go through is, to, is, is too challenging. And by what you have to go through, again, just looked at in terms of, my animal nature and the spirit of what I am or the truth of what I am, the animal nature is always going to choose comfort. And acting, being an actor, is not comfortable. You have to be willing and able to, and, uh, to learn how to lean into the discomfort and use the discomfort and find the way to live in the, uh, the unknown. And set it up so that the choices you make in the moment come from that place of you don't know what you're going to do, but you know it's going to be in the direction of serving the scene. And if you've done your homework and you can find your way on a given day of stepping into the unknown, then it becomes an adventure that is... Here's... I don't know if I've gone off the question, but... I, I, I do I, I do tintype photography. I, I, I wrote a book. I'm doing a podcast. I teach meditation. I, I have a really full life. I consistently come to the point where I go, you know, I've had some experiences acting. I don't really need to have any more. I'm good. If you know, because you go through times when you don't get an audition, you don't work for a long time. But yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I could I could live with that. And then I get on a set, 
And I go, oh, man, this this turns me on somewhere mm -hmm. that nothing else does. Yeah. You know, so find the way to use it as your vehicle to step into flow. If you can do that, then it can be your vehicle. And that gives you something to shoot for that you're not going to go off on any tangents. You know, you're going to, it, does this move me in the direction of flow or does this move me into the direction of control? And, you know, if you're moving in the direction of flow, it's only going to get bigger and bigger and better as, as you go forward. Awesome. Let's talk about that real quick. Your photography, that's pretty freaking amazing. You know, what kind of photography? You're not you know, just shooting regular pictures. You're, you're... Oh, <clears throat> I'm doing tintype photography. These are uh, uh, tintypes and ambrotypes are, are these, uh, you know, all the images you see from the Civil War are this process. It was invented in 1841. And you literally have to make a piece of film each time you shoot. And it's on a, a piece of glass or on a piece of uh, blackened aluminum. And you use these big old cameras with, you know, 100-year-old lenses, and you make a piece of film, you put it in the camera, you expose it for anywhere from half a second to 12 seconds or something. You take it in, you develop it, and fix it all in that moment, and then you see the image rise up. And it's uh, uh, this this friend of mine who uh, introduced me at a show said that tintype photography, you're actually seeing an image of this person experiencing life because of that long shutter, uh, because of the long time that the, the camera is open, you're seeing a person live through how many, how many nows, you know, in eight seconds, mm -hmm. how many nows are there that you're living through? It's uncountable. And so there's a depth to these photographs and there's a, there's the capacity for the, the, the subject to let go of how they're supposed to look in a photograph because there's this big old clunky machine ahead of them and in front of them. And there's me, you know, doing all this alchemical stuff and adjusting lights and they're just sitting there and like engaging. And, and so we end up having experiences and then there's a capturing of that experience. And it's, you know, it's, uh, what it gives me as aside from an image at the end of it is, it's something that I can throw myself into and not think. Mm. You know, the, the, the intellect is a problem-solving tool. When I use it to define myself, I see everything, including myself, as a problem. Tintype photography is like there's no way to do it perfectly, and there are a thousand ways to screw it up. And so I'm problem-solving all the time. And so I'm engaged in flow again. And mm -hmm. using this mind to solve problems rather than to figure out who I am or how I am or how you're seeing me. So, you know, it gives me that experience consistently of like just engaging for hours at a time and then coming out of it and going like, oh, that was fun. You yeah. Know? If anybody wants to see your photos, they go to jeffcober.com. Jeffcober.com. There's uh, links for meditation, for photography and uh, what else? Oh, yeah. Acting. Yeah, and your book. <laughs> and right. my book, Embracing Bliss. I ordered it. I'm waiting for Amazon to deliver it. I can't wait. Fantastic. Uh, let me know, I, let me know I, what you think. I, I, and, and your photos are amazing. I want to I shoot. When, when, when are we going to shoot? I would love oh, to Oh, man, see. that would be great. You can, you can be, because I'm doing a, a series right now called the Fig Tree Series. I uh, have a fig tree in the backyard, and I, I have a tattoo artist and her subject uh, working in front of the tree. I have... 
Bernie White as a, a one-man uh, show actor. I have someone who's a massage therapist. I have different people, you know, yoga teachers, all these. So you'll come and you'll be the acting teacher and you'll sit there in your black t-shirt and, and uh, you know, in your chair and uh, looking like you've just been uh, interrupted in telling someone how to change their life. And you're looking at me. And so we'll do that. So, uh, love it. <laughs> so do it. sometime in the next couple of months, we'll, we'll do that. I would love that. I would love that. Jeff, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast, taking your time to share your wisdom and your knowledge on the show. And uh, I look forward to getting together. It's going to happen, man. It's okay. going to happen. Okay. Thank you so much. What a treat and what a great conversation to have. All right. Take care. You too, man. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Please rate, review, share this with your friends. Subscribe if you haven't. Please take whatever you get from here, the golden nuggets, and apply them to your career. Go after your dreams with passion. Don't let anybody tell you it can't be done. I believe in you. Follow your dreams. I'll see you in Hollywood.